Joy cannot be taken, it can only be given. There was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and he was uh, assigned a story uh, several years back. And the story was this, go and find some of the neediest families in Chicago and uh, just kind of do some stories on them and, and share uh, about their families uh, with the, the Chicago area. And so he went, and various families he met, and, and one of them really stood out to him, the Del, Delgados. And the Delgados uh, had been burned out of their apartment, so they were in a, a very tiny place, and uh, it was... Six-year-old Perfecta and her granddaughters, Lydia, who's 11, and 13-year-old Jenny. And they lived in this very tiny, tiny two-bedroom apartment in the west side of Chicago. And when the reporter came in the room, it it was very obvious the first thing he noted that was nothing in the apartment. Nothing. Except for one kitchen table and maybe a handful of rice that was there. These folks had nothing. The the Delgados, they barely had the clothes on their back. In fact, the the two little girls, they would walk a half a mile in the winters of Chicago. And the only clothes that they had, which were two short sleeve dresses, one for each of them. And they each had a coat. One coat. Not for both of them, just one for, for both. They shared. In fact, Lydia would go half the way with the coat on, and then she would take the coat off and give it to her sister. They would walk to school in the winter of Chicago. And so this reporter comes into this, this home, and, and he's talking to them and, and talking to Perfecta. And just the thing that he noted about her and this, this whole situation was in the midst of this despair in the home, her faith in Jesus just shone out. There wasn't any self-pity or gentle you know, depression. It was this sense of, of hope and this, this place of peace and of joy. So the reporter did the story, filed it. It goes out in the newspaper, and uh, several weeks pass, and it's Christmas Eve. And he's sitting in the office, and he doesn't have much to do, so he just kind of goes out, and he's exploring, look, looking for another possible story. And then he remembered the Delgados and said, you know what, I'm going to go check on them and see how they're doing. And he goes, and he, as he's going to knock on the door, someone lets him in, and he notices the apartment is very different now. You see, the readers of the Chicago Tribune begin to respond in an unbelievable way. He opened the door to a, an apartment full of furniture, with rugs on the floor, with food, boxes and boxes of food everywhere, new clothes, piles of new clothes. The people were responded even with cash and thousands of dollars of cash in hand for this sweet family. And as he came in, they were in the process of kind of packing a lot of this stuff up. He said, what are, you, what are you doing? This is amazing. What are, you, what are you doing? They were going out and sharing with their neighbors what they've been given. In fact, this is what Perfecta said. Our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would do. Perfecta looked at the reporter and said these words, and they're on the screen for you, I hope. This is wonderful. This is very good. We did nothing to deserve this. It's a gift from God, but it's not the greatest gift. Now we celebrate that tomorrow. That is Jesus. And this reporter was just shaken to the core and walked out of that apartment with a lot on his heart and on his mind. Luke chapter 2 tells us this. 
And there were shepherds living out in a field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Can you imagine being there that night? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, what? Joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Babies give us an amazing amount of joy, don't they? I don't care what kind of hardened heart you have. When you hold a newborn for the first time, there's just a beam that comes from your face. We've been blessed this week. I mean, I cannot, uh, it's going to be hard for me to even talk about Theresa and Fareed without just beaming with joy. And here's some pictures with uh, little baby Hadassah. What amazing story. What a, a miracle. Here's a family. And if you know the whole story, you just, you can't help but be happy and be joyous. But uh, when we have babies, they're a joyous time. This is a couple that waited for a very very, very long time. And what a miracle. And we are grateful. But babies give us that kind of joy. But this Jesus was a baby that gave joy to the entire world. It's a different joy. Look at that face. (laughs) I was talking about the babies. Uh, He came and gave us a gift. We heard about it a little bit earlier. A gift uh, in the form of a baby, but it was much bigger than that, wasn't it? There was this gift. What did, when the angel visited Mary, he said this, that you're going to have a child, and this Jesus is going to come to do what? He's going to save his people from what? Their sins. This gift is a gift of the Savior gift of a person that would redeem the world, a restore, one that would make things right. And what is he saving us from? Saving us from our sins. Saving us from our sins. This week, uh, we, we got the news that uh, my sister-in-law, Carrie, was coming out of, of Kroger, and uh, there was a, a scene in the parking lot where she had a chance to give CPR uh, to a little boy. I can't imagine a, a scene like that, and, and it was just cool that she was able to jump in and, and, and be a part of that, and, and thankfully the, the little boy went away from the scene uh, okay. Can you imagine being saved like that, though? And that would be a life-changing event, something to be remembered forever. When you are saved from something that, that could be it, and you would remember that person, you would remember that moment. This, this gift of salvation is, is, is such a precious gift that God has given us. And, and what I found is that the best gifts are the ones that you cannot give yourself. You know, we can give, you know, you can go out and buy things, but the gifts that, that are the best are the ones that you, you can't give yourself, to yourself. And Jesus has given us that gift. You see, the gift of salvation, as we talked about, is, is this thing we were saved from our sins. Now, what are sins? Sins are the things that separate us from God. It's the things that we've said, the things that we've done. The lies that we told, the lust that we've had in our heart, maybe the hatred, maybe the things in our past, the things that we willfully did that was against God's will. And we said, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. And those things separate us from God. Maybe you've sensed that in your own life. You can remember a time where where sin kind of reigned and ruled in your life, and there was this complete separation. There was this darkness. 
And what Jesus did in this gift was he came and he bridged the gap. And he gave us this amazing gift of peace that comes when knowing that your sins have been forgiven. There was one that died for us, that lived for us, then died for us, and gave us this gift of salvation and love. And, and hopefully, and I hope that you've opened this gift. It's a free gift. And what God says is this, is he's outside the door of your heart, and he's knocking. And it's almost like he's placed the gift, and it's like, and he's knocking on your heart. Will you choose to open that door? Will you choose to open that gift? And hopefully you have, but maybe for some of you, you're here, you hear the knocking, but the gift just stays outside right there, and you just have left it out there. Some of us have experienced what that's like when you allow Jesus to do what only Jesus can do, to save us, to, to save us from our sin, to wipe away the past, to forgive us. And when that happens, there is this feeling of just relief, redemption. Um, there is a, this a lightweight feeling, and I, I think about it in my shoulders and just in our heart and our mind when that's off of our heart and mind. And when you, you've, you've got that, it, it's just this inner deep feeling of joy that God gives. And, and it's not happiness. Happiness is surface level, but there's this joy that's, that's deep uh, there within. And I look around, I look around at, at, at friends and, and, and some other people, and I know that they're, they're Christ followers. And, and maybe I've even experienced this in my own life at times, where they're Christians, but it doesn't seem like there's much joy in their life. There doesn't seem like there's much joy in, in their face, in their conversation. And maybe you're at a place right now that you say, you know what, there are some things that have stolen my joy. There's things that have just taken it away from me, and I just, I just don't feel like I have it anymore. I just don't feel like it, it's, it's present anymore. Now, I'll remind you this morning what we heard from the, the video. What? Joy cannot be, what? Can't be taken. It can only be given away. So the question of the day is this. It's a simple one. What are you giving your way, your joy to? What are you allowing because that's what it is. You're allowing to steal, to take your joy from you. It can't be just taken. You're, you're allowing it to happen. There is this song, like, when I was in youth group, we didn't have these awesome worship songs that students have today. We had like uh, motion songs. Do you remember the songs with motions? And there were a lot, of, some of them were about the devil, and uh, some of them were funny. Uh, there was the one about the little black box. Have you heard that one? If you had a, well, there was the first, was a little white box, to put my Jesus in, you take him out and, and share him with a friend. Isn't that cute? Uh, share him with a friend. If I had a little black box and put the devil in, you take him out and smash his face and put him back again. <laughs> You're awake now, aren't you? Or there was a one about, uh, let's dig a hole, let's dig a hole. You remember that one? Let's dig a hole and throw the devil in it. Let's dig a hole. Hey, let's dig a hole. Let's dig a hole and throw the devil in it. Because God made man and man made the money. God made the trees and trees made the honey. God made the devil and the devil made sin. So let's dig a hole and throw the devil in it. 
Come on. That was like circa 1992, by the way. Uh, but those were our, those were our, our worship songs. And uh, yeah, and they, the, the devil is always stealing stuff. But you know, the, Bible, the Bible talks about that. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he can only steal what you're willing to give him. And so what are you giving him? What have, what have you allowed to take your joy? Maybe it's a, a person. Maybe it's somebody in your life right now that you just immediately, a face comes to mind. And maybe you just, maybe you need to write that question down this morning. What are you allowing to steal your joy? Is it a person? Maybe it's a boss in your life that is just like, or a coworker. You go to work and it's like, oh, I just, oh, just have a way to get under my skin. It's just driving me crazy. Maybe it's someone that's a family member, and you're just not, you can't, you're not looking forward to the holidays. You just know what that's going to be like, that tension's going to be like, or friendship, or uh, something. Who is the person that comes to mind? When I think about uh, a year or so ago, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend, and, and he started off by saying, you know, I probably shouldn't tell you this. If you ever have that come to your mind, you probably shouldn't tell you that or tell someone that. And he starts to tell me something that he heard uh, some friends of, of ours had said about me. I know, I'm 36 and it feels like I'm in high school, but, <laughs> but these things that someone said uh, uh, about me, probably the most painful things I've ever heard. Uh, and you know how when you hear painful things that are just personal, uh, you remember every word. You remember every part of the conversation. You can repeat, you know. And so those words were, I could have like tattooed on my arm because they were going through my mind, just germinating. And you go through kind of the process of, I wouldn't say grief, but just the process of just being, and you take it personally, then you get mad, we should go TP somebody's house uh, for this, or get some eggs and do something with them. Uh, And then you go like, you get sad about it, and you get kind of like self-doubt, and all these things kind of swirl around. People have that ability to do that to us, don't they? And we remember things so well. Maybe years ago you can remember things that people have said to you, and they're just, they're just there. We've just allowed people to take our joy in our life. You know, we, love, uh, we like to dress up for Halloween at our house, and we go out to trick-or-treat. We think it's a, a cool time to meet our neighbors. And so this year uh, we went out, and Quinn went out uh, for Quinn, our little two-year-old girl. Uh, she went out, and uh, for the first time, uh, was trick-or-treating, and she did last year, but she really didn't know what was going on. This year, she, she developed a great system. Uh, we have a stroller that we were basically chauffeuring her from house to house, okay? She would get in the stroller, we would take her to the next house, and she would say, stop, and she would go to the door, and, and she knew the routine and knew how to do it, and she learned that if you knock on that door and you smile, people are going to put candy in your bag, and it's going to be great. Well, after a while, uh, we got a little, you know, tired, and we'd taken a few laps around the neighborhood. So we get back to the house, and uh, this happened. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook a couple of weeks back. You want to do more trick or treating? Look at all the candy in your bucket. You got lots of candy. Candy? Yeah. Okay, no more tears. Halloween is fun. 
have a lot of candy. You got a whole bucket of candy. Come on, time to go home. Let's come inside. Well, I need more. She's good with that lip. It works sometimes. I'm weak. Have you ever felt like Quinn, though, before? Inside? You maybe didn't act like Quinn, but I need more. And we look around and we say, man, other people have stuff. I want stuff. I like stuff, as Mr. Carlin would say. You know, other people have nicer stuff. I want nicer stuff. I want more stuff. I want better stuff, you know. Or maybe I, man, I'd like to have that relationship or that house or that job or that. And this feeling of discontentment kind of comes into our heart and our life. Maybe a little jealousy. Maybe that's what you have allowed to steal your joy in your life. Or maybe you're like me, and you're a person that, there's something about a smartphone that's enabled me to do, I've become kind of a news junkie. I just constantly feel like that I need to know what's going on in the world. And so I am just, whenever I can on my phone, I'm checking various sites, CNN.com, Huffington Post, Fox News, and I'm just kind of jumping around. And, and sometimes I listen to, from stop to stop, I'm listening to news on the radio, sports talk or other news, and I'm just constantly keeping up with things. And when stories hit, I want to know the details. And I can get kind of consumed in that. I don't know if you've lived there before. But I just feel like as we've seen some of the stories from California, from Paris, to New York and Boston, I just can get so consumed with what's happening. And it's easy to be worried, and it's easy to be fearful, and it's easy to be stressed about it. And it's easy for us to allow that, the chaos of the world, to steal our joy. Or maybe it's your personal circumstances, the things that you're dealing with right now, and you just feel like it's just one thing after the other, and it just, it just doesn't stop. And Paul is writing to that today, and he, he tells us, and basically, first of all, you need to know this, in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at it really briefly, and he's, he's writing from prison. He's in prison right now, and he's, he's been thrown in prison for his faith, and he's writing to a people, a church, that have been persecuted for their faith. And he has these words for them, and these are words for us today. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and it's familiar, and it's a, it's a good passage, and maybe we should memorize it. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. I think he had to say it again because he's like, they're like, seriously, uh, you're in jail and you're writing this and saying this? He says, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So today, I just want to share a few things that how we can maintain and rejoice in the Lord even when there are things all around us that are trying to steal it. How can we maintain that joy? The first thing he tells us is basically this, is to pray. To pray, to spend time with the Lord. I used to be, my very first job was a milkman at this grocery store called Piggly Wiggly. It's in the South. Have you ever heard of the Piggly Wiggly before? Okay. The Piggly Wiggly, yep. It's a little, it feels like a kind of a mom and pop place, but it's just a little grocery store. And I was the milkman. I would stock the milk and the cheese and the yogurts. And I have some horrible stories about out-of-do cheese and date cheese, but I'm not going to tell those today. 
I was tempted several times. One of my jobs was, you know, remember the little clicker that you would actually put the price tag on various items? I would go and mark the milk. And whatever the price was for the day, you go and you mark it and you mark the cheese and things. But you have so much power with that clicker, okay? That little labeler. I thought, what if I just, you know, changed the price? And uh, went through and it was like, hey, it's five cents day here at the Piggly Wiggly. And I just haven't forgotten that. I never did it because I'm too much of a goody, what is goody? Thank you, thank you. Uh, maybe I was just nervous about getting fired in my first job. But you know what I think we do sometimes is we hand the clicker to other people for ourselves. And we let other people determine our value instead of allowing God to do that. And when you go and you pray and you connect with God, something amazing happens. You begin to remember what your true value is. And you see a God that loves you and cares for you so much. And your value begins to increase because you see yourself the way God sees you when you connect with him and you begin to pray with him. Now I've got a, I think I've got a a picture on this. uh, There's a, there's a picture that I I drew. Uh, It's a very simple picture. And uh, it's, it's the white one with a thing. You got that one on? Nope. All right. There was a professor once. We'll, we'll skip the picture. There was a professor once, and he did this. He gave an assignment to everyone. He said, uh, I'm going to hand you the, the, this pop quiz, and he turned a piece of paper over on everyone's page. And, I, and he said, you know, on the count of three, I want you to flip this paper over. Maybe you've heard the story before. Flip this paper over, and whatever you see, I want you to write about. And so one, two, three, flip the paper over. It's a white piece of paper, but right in the middle of it is a, a little dot. A little black dot. So for the next 20, 30 minutes, these students are riding away, and they're writing about the dot, where the dot is on the paper, how big the dot is, various things about the dot, the, the color of the dot, and how the, the different shades and things like that. And, and all these, these papers, uh, they come in. And he, he, he gets these papers back, and he says, listen, obviously I'm not grading these, these papers But the question is this for you today. What are you focusing on as students? Are you focusing on the 99% of the other page? Or are you just focusing on the dots, the black spot in your life, the things that are not going well? You're just just so centered on that. And we just have this this tendency to do that. So in this prayer time with the Lord, as we enter this, this time to rejoice, Paul tells us this, rejoice. And then start your prayer off with what? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With, with praise. When you pray to the Lord, when we are going through a time where something wants to steal our joy, it's a great time to spend time praising God and thanking him. And that's a part of prayer, what prayer should look like. Anne Voskamp, she wrote a book called A Thousand Gifts. And she talks about this prayer journal. In this Thanksgiving journal. And I think it's a great suggestion for all of us. We've got Christmas lists happening maybe our, with our kids and around the, the room with Elfster and other things. But, but what if you had just a Thanksgiving list? Now, sometimes I've seen some of us do this on, on Facebook, Thanksgiving a day or something like that. But what if we did that all the time? What if we practiced praise and Thanksgiving all the time? And I began to do that this week and just saying, God, thank you for this church. 
I've been so grateful for this church this week. Thank you for a family of people to, to live life together with. Thank you for people that serve and give so much time and, and, and sweat and even blood last week, people, blood that you gave. And people right now who are investing in teaching my kids about the Lord. And so many of you have given me pictures and mentorship of what this kingdom life looks like. And I am grateful. I'm grateful for a, a wife who loves the Lord, whose character is so deep, whose love for God is great. Is, her love for people is equally as great. I am so grateful. And as we think this gratitude fills our heart, something happens. Worry begins to go away. And our hearts begin to mold with the heart of God. They begin to, to look more and more like God's. And that fear and the worry goes away and something else kind of comes in, in its place. Peace. And that joy is remembered. Now, I've always I've kind of thought about being a, a motorcycle rider before, mainly because I think motor, people who ride motorcycles just look cool, Okay. I mean, they just look cool. They've got the, 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 the leather happening, uh, sometimes really cool tattoos. I want one of those helmets that has like the spikes in it. Have you seen those? But let's be honest, I cannot pull that look off at all. Me and leather is just a scary thought. Uh, and yeah, I heard that amen. That was like the only amen today. What's up with that? Uh, but I've heard about from motorcycle riders this, this phrase that might be good for us today to remember. And it's this phrase called target fixation. Have you heard that before? When, when riders ride, uh, sometimes things will happen, and that's probably true for us as car riders as well. When there's something to avoid in the road, maybe a, and I think we have a video, and you can show it while I'm talking, like a, a limb or maybe another, you know, rider were to fall. You know, instead of focusing on the gap of safety, you know what happens? You begin to focus on instead what's happening there. In this case, the other person that's fallen. And so instead of focusing, okay, if I go this way, it's going to be the right way, you instead we focus on the wrong way, and guess what happens? You drive that way. Wherever you're fixated on, you are driving that way. So keep that in mind as we hear these words from Paul. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In the NLT, it says this, fix your eyes on what's pure, what's right, what's true. What you fix your life on and your eyes on and your heart on is where you are driving now, there's something that happened, and I, I don't think there's a lot of teenagers in here today, so I'm just going to share this out loud. We, we as parents have kind of sometimes said, you know, you should filter out some things in your life because that's good for you at a certain age. When is the age where it's okay not to filter things in your life? Because I haven't figured that age out yet. And if you are going to fixate your heart and your lives on things that are not pure, that are not right, that are not of the Lord, that are not excellent, and they're not praiseworthy, then you're going to drive that way. And your life is going to go that way, and it's going to be feel, filled not with joy, but it's going to be filled with chaos and sadness and brokenness and hurt. And sometimes we ask, why? 
Fix your eyes on the things of the Lord. Fix your eyes on the things of the Lord. 50,000 thoughts per day is what you have, is what they say. How many are fixed on the things that are right and pure and lovely? These are the things that cause us to rejoice. These are the things that give us hope along the way. So maybe some things that we need to take out of our lives that we're fixated on. I have to do this. I know we feel like we're always in a political presidential year. I have stopped going to certain sites. I have stopped listening to certain things. The news, folks, is not based on good news, okay? People don't sell papers based on good news, and they don't even sell papers anymore, okay? They sell clicks. And what are clicks based on? Fear, okay? That will take away your joy, all right? So maybe there's some things that you just have gone to as defaults. Have you ever noticed that just we have our TVs on just in the background? Maybe there's some things on in the background that you just need to click off. And the joy of the Lord will be there. Now, this reporter, remember, he was in Chicago Tribune. He, he couldn't get the Delgados out of his mind. He just, this family, and, and this reporter was confessed atheist, but this just shook him to the core. And he begins to ask this question, who is this Jesus? Who is this amazing gift that that Perfecta Delgado talked about that day. I've got to figure it out. I've got to find out because this is what he wrote. He, he penned these words as he, he was thinking about this family. To her, this child is the, in the manger was the undeserved gift that meant everything. More than material possessions, more than comfort, more than security. And at the, at the moment, something inside of me wanted desperately to know this Jesus. Because in a sense, I saw him in Perfecta and her granddaughters. They had a peace despite prosperity, while I had anxiety despite plenty. They knew the joy of generosity, while I only knew the loneliness of ambition. They looked heavenward for hope, while I looked out for myself. They experienced the wonder of the spiritual, while I was shackled to the shallowness of the material. And something made me long for what they had. And this experience with the Delgados led this this writer to open up the gift of salvation that comes with Jesus, from knowing Jesus. Why is this so important? Why is this joy so important? So others will see it. What was this? There's a little phrase that I didn't highlight in this Philippians passage. Rejoice in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Why? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. My friend, I was in Pittsburgh uh, actually about 12 hours ago. My best friend in the world. Um, it's been kind of a yin-yang week. He, he, uh, I went to Pittsburgh to help him um, bury his father. And uh, we were at a service and uh, his dad was a pastor, and uh, it was amazing the relationship they had, and it was just cool to see this celebration, this home going, and, and it, was, it really was a worship service. And uh, there was just something very reflective when you go to a, a funeral. I was just thinking, man, I'm too young 
to be with friends that are burying dads. And uh, he stood in, in front of a, a box and he said these exact words, rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. How can you say that on a day like that? Why? The day of the Lord is near. This place full of chaos, full of people, full of discontent is not our home. Don't set your hearts. Don't fix your eyes on this place. Fix your hearts somewhere else. Now, there's a song, and I'm going to ask the, the worship band to come up. There's a song, I don't know if you're just totally missing it today, but the, song, the theme today is joy. Yes, we, we nailed it. Um, it's joy. There is a song that we've sang in a couple of, in a couple of different forms, and we're going to sing it again here in a second. Joy to the world. Now, I'm going to ruin Christmas for you, but here it is. I want to just tell you the truth. This originally was not a, Chris, Chris, a Christmas song. It wasn't written when Isaiah, Isaac, my words are not here today. Isaac Watts wrote this, this, this hymn years and years ago, 200 and something years ago. He didn't write it for Christmas. And if you notice the words, there's nothing about a baby. There's nothing about shepherds or wise men or Mary and Joseph. Now, it's become a great Christmas song, but this song is about the second coming of the Lord. That God is coming back. That there's a day that's coming near. And that day may be today or maybe tomorrow. But what is the, the, this course? This, this course is all about us pronouncing. We are the shepherds. There is a gift that brings joy. And we want you to know about. And it comes in knowing Christ Jesus. It comes in knowing the Lord. So I ask you today, are you spreading that message? Or have you allowed something? to take your joy? Have you allowed something to steal? Because you're allowing it, remember? Because joy can only be given away. It can't be taken. Would you stand with me and pray? God, you're good to us. Thank you so much for this day. And Lord, God, we trust in you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that, Lord, you provide us this inner peace and joy that's not determined by our circumstances. It's not determined by what's happening at, at work, what's happening on the news, or it's, it's based on the fact that you loved us, that you came and you gave us this amazing gift, this gift of salvation, this gift of forgiveness that would close the gap, that would bridge this, this, this thing that has separated us, that would wipe away sin in our lives. God, I pray for that person today that's here, and maybe they're hearing this for the first time, or maybe it's clicking for the first time, and they want to open up this gift of salvation. Lord, I just pray right now as they're in their seat, Lord, that they would just pray this simple prayer of, God, I want to put my faith and my trust in you. I repent. I'm sorry for the way that the things that I've done, the things that I've said. God, show me your way. Show me your light. I want to know more about you. I put my faith and I trust in you. Lord, I pray for my friends today that for whatever reason they have allowed things of this world to, to take and steal their joy. And Lord, I pray that you will, will help them to, to, to take the words of Paul today and they would take them to heart, that they would 
praise, that they would pray, that they would give needs and, and, and worries to you, God, that we would pray about everything, about our kids, about the world, about family, about work, about ISIS, about everything, God, and that the peace that comes in knowing you, the joy that comes in knowing you would fill our lives and we would be like the shepherds, announcing to the world who this Jesus is all about. God, we love you. We lift these things up to you today and we sing this song in your glory, in your name. Amen.